hot enough for you, Darren? It is, because um, as Tom just alluded to, my name's Darren. I'm Tom. And we're the Garden Guys. We uh, make stuff up and talk about plants and heat, and in this case, uh, the heat that's happening right now in uh, Southwest Four Corners region. Seems to be happening across the world, Well, right? apparently, yeah. It's, <laughs> yes. it's getting it uh, south of us, the East Coast flooding, you know. There's kind of the wobble. The wobble we're all trying to get used to. That's yeah. hot and cold and wet and dry. Abnormal is the new normal. Exactly. So we're trying to pivot. We're going to be talking about pivoting today. Oh, nice. The center pivot. Wouldn't it be nice just to be, go stand underneath the center pivot Ooh, irrigation system? I don't know. They're high pressure. You might get blown <laughs> off your feet. <laughs> Maybe a shower. Yeah. Not recommended for children under 12. Yes. Uh, do not stand in front of a center pivot. Yeah. And I should say, yes. I'm not saying anybody go out stand around center pivoting. <laughs> Yeah, these be. farmers are going, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not a good summer activity. Yeah. Don't be running down the farm to the yeah. center pivot. Um, so we came back from a break. Yeah, yeah. we did. We're, yeah. Uh, we had a three-week hiatus. It's like, now, what kind of like horticulturist takes a two- to three-week break in the well, middle of summer? These guys We have do. to recharge, right? Yeah. We have to recharge, and we did. That's what summer's for. So this is the, the catch-up show. Maybe talk about some of our challenges we've had and successes. For every plus, there is a minus. And I think what's interesting this time of year is we've all done our, if we're gardeners and planted a garden this year, you did your major push in the spring and early summer and fixed your irrigation, got everything out there, did your initial weeding. And right about now, mid-July, late July, it's the kind of take stock. How are things working now? And as I walk around, uh, I had a number of setbacks this year, and I'll only talk about a few of them because we don't have that much time today. Uh, but welcome to the two-hour garden guy show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's let's listen to Tom's lament. Um, I had pressure from the temperature swings, the late cold nights, and then switched on to the super hot, and I had staggering seedlings that were right. delayed, and then I had multiple influxes of uh, pest insect pressure. Yeah, mostly from sow bugs. Also had. Roly polies. Roly, yeah, these Same are the roly polies that took out 200 square feet of my beans, just wiped them out. They rim the plant and tip it over. So uh, we're going to talk about how to pivot. And for me, this time of year, when you take stock, it's like typically not everything's doing great. There are some things, oops, wow, that seed wasn't viable right. in that row over here. Um, or this particular pest or rodent or insect or whatever it was, something got wiped out or damaged or never germinated in the first place. And right now your people are inviting you to barbecues and maybe you want to go rafting and you're looking back at your garden like, I thought I already finished that. <laughs> and you have to realize, you know, I have to stop and fix that. And now you have enough time to actually fix those problems. Yeah. Take unused space in, in your garden, plant something else that will have enough viable time to grow to maturity. And that's kind of what this week's about for me, is fixing those problems so we can get on with the summer and kick in those monsoons, and then whatever you planted will have that extra recharge. So, so what you call pivot, which I call pirouette. Pirouette. So I am Now, are you back to wearing that tutu fun. out in the garden? <laughs> but it is, it is Your like, neighbors are going to put that privacy uh, yeah, fence up for you. Already. Right. That's a great way to get the privacy fence paid yeah. for by the neighbors. <laughs> Just get out there in your driveway, you too. do the pirouettes, and yeah. like, Frank, <laughs> we need the new fence. Yeah. It, and it has been like... and. I like the weather. I like, we like to talk about weather and I think it's pretty fascinating. You know, I was just up in Denver. Denver's had biblical rain and hail. And, uh, I saw a stat the other day that, you know, in the last month, 
you know, the Denver Metro had over 11 inches of precipitation. Wow. That same month, Grand Junction, which is roughly directly west by a couple hundred miles, had 0.4 inches of, of precipitation. Wow. And us down here, we were at about 0.3, mm-hmm. you know, in that same time period. Or in some places, it's been zero. I can't remember last time we had, I think the first week of June, I had some appreciable rain, but that was it. And so it is this, like, we talk about how you have to kind of maneuver within a season. I think if you're in the Denver area, and hopefully we've got some listeners up there that, boy, you've had three hailstorms. Yeah, how big do ones. You, how do you kind of just move around those? That's right. got to be tough. And for us down here where we had really cool, really cool, really cool freeze, um, our friends out at Beach Street in the Valley, you know, upper 20s. So it got cold and it got cold in Bayfield. There's folks out in Bayfield. I got my tomatoes all got singed back. Mm-hmm. Top six, nine inches all got hit back. Wow. And again, you don't think of like, oh, that one year, 2019. Oh, there's that awful freeze. Yeah. Shoot, four years later, two years later, like it's that same repetitive nature uh-huh. of your wobble that we are kind of like it's not going to be consistent. Right. And that's tough to deal with. Well, you have to be tougher than the weather uh, extremities that are up and down. So it comes down to, you know, gardening is kind of this passive hobby-like thing. What it is now is, are you tough enough for <laughs> gardening? Can you take it? Can you take the swings? Yeah. There's going to be like a new promotional campaign for gardeners. So you we know, could get there. I'm going to do in my tutu. Full padding. Yeah. You know. I'm going to do a plank in my tutu. Yeah. <laughs> While listening to Rocky, that's the eye of the tiger. That's, there you go. That should be our promo video yeah. for the Garden Guys. Garden Guys, be there at the fairgrounds. Drinking Tom's Chicken's raw eggs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be, right? It should be a hobby for a yeah. lot of folks. Yeah. A pastime. Yeah. Horticultural therapy. It should be enjoyable. Right. There's some work involved, for yeah. sure. And a year like this, where we kind of walked into it, at least I did, it's gung-ho. Man, yeah. it's great. Soil moisture. Yeah, Yay. right. Wonder, what a wonderful Late, winter. Late, wet spring. Yeah. It's been nice and cool. Good gosh, man. I came back from two weeks at the beach, and <laughs> it's hot here. Yeah. And I don't have AC, and I get cranky. Yeah. So I don't want to be cranky inside, so I go outside. And then I go outside, and my garden looks like poo-poo. Yeah. And I get cranky outside. So it's You're like going to need a bigger hat. <laughs> <laughs> so starting over um, with certain beds and replanting is te- definitely doable. Don't just wallow in the humiliation of failing at part of your garden. You can go out and start fixing it. And there's still time to replant things like beans, lettuce, beets, summer squash, zucchini, cucumbers, arugula, basil, all that has kale. Kale. Yeah. You have time to get that by October, say by the first freeze, whenever that's going to be late September, early October. You got to realize we are kind of moving into the cold season, right? It's yeah. Halfway through July now, so you're that's kind hard. of... But, Darren, that's hard for people to listen to when it's 97 or 96 I know. today. Yes. But, but your right. plants don't really recognize, like, oh, it's 97, I'm going to be cranky, you know? Yeah, but your plants right. are going to... They're going to start to see those temperatures decrease at night eventually, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to appreciate that. Yeah. Most of them will. My tomatoes don't. My peppers don't. <laughs> they're not appreciating the heat? No, they're just not very appreciative right now. I'm having an issue with my solanaceous crops. Uh, you could stand over them with a trowel and say, I'm going to replant <laughs> something else here unless get you my do something. Out. Yeah, clip, if clip, clip, clip. If you don't clip. start, I'm going to start cutting you out. <laughs> so speaking of cutting things out, I did notice uh, on a garden 
Uh, I visited last week. Some people had some gangbuster beats going on. And nice. hundreds of beats in a bed, but it was wall-to-wall leaves just crowded out. It's just this wall of green, which is way cool. It's a ton of beet greens, which are really, really nutritious. Um, but I suggested to go in there and thin half of it at least because okay. if you dig down in there and you notice some of those beets are starting to root out and create bulbs and and you want those beets later on, they're going to stop growing if they're just completely surrounded with other beets that don't even have enough room to root out yet. Right. So they're just going for beet greens, which is not going to help on either level. So pull all the beet greens that aren't developing. That'll give space to the ones that are developing to get much bigger. And so you're spacing them on some of these crops, especially our root crops. The more you give them, sometimes they fill in that space. So yeah. beets like three to four inches. Three to four inches, and they'll get that big. Yeah, yeah. Carrots, is, you know, carrots are much more cylindrical, so they go down. There are some cylindrical beets out there. Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, yes, most beets you want to be a little bit bigger. Yeah, whatever so, that beet requires for its full girth at maturity, that's what you want to give yeah. it space so to. so give move. it space. Same onions, right? Another one. Like, yeah. you plant your onions really tight, you're going to have scallions. Yeah. You, know, you, you actually give good spacing of four to five inches, you're going to have better onions. So at the same time you're touring your garden, and looking for those failures that you're going to fix. Um, one of the easy things to fix right now is thinning because you get easy free food and then you're allowing what's left over and that's lettuce and carrots, of carrots, course, which yeah. everybody loves thinning carrots, right? Ugh. Super fine-tuned kind of, oh, why? I just picked 10. <laughs> Darn. That's how I was, I was weeding the garden and like, oh, amaranth. I'm going to pull that. Am- oh my oh. gosh, there comes half my carrots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bummer. So that one's tough, but uh, it's one of those chores you really should do. You'll get more harvest uh, in the process of doing so. Yeah. And yet, again, we still have a season. As long as Mother Nature doesn't continue to be funky and give us a freeze in early September, True. You know, we'll still have a yeah. decent season to grow out crops. Yeah. Things are going to germinate much more quickly now. So factor that into your equation because soil temperatures are so much higher. Um, you know, So things will germinate faster. There are some crops that won't germinate at a high temperature. Uh, lettuce is one that's called thermophilic over like if the temperature is above 80, 85 degrees in the soil, mm-hmm. then that's probably not going to germinate. And let's talk about the soil temp right now, especially on these super sunny, hot days, 97 hitting the soil, that surface soil temperature can easily go above a hundred, uh, where nothing's really going to grow very well. And you can quickly and easily reduce that temperature by 30 to 50 degrees by adding a little quarter inch of mulch right on top. It makes of that. a big difference. Huge. And- you know, and you can go out there and take your soil temperatures yeah. pretty easily. You yeah. use a digital thermometer. They have the, what are the ones? Or just take your meat thermometer from your kitchen that goes up to, you know, 200 plus and put that right, the, put the yeah. tip and bury it in the top inch of the soil and you'll get a really good indicator and then put it right next to it under a shady plant, same area, but like two feet that has some mulch or some plant cover totally different temperature so if you're trying to plant something new and germinate that seed you're going to help them out a lot by just adding a little mulch right after you plant them and i made the mistake and this has been you know i was thinking when i was going to come talk to tom like well how would i grade my garden this year like could you give your my and i would grade my garden a c and i don't feel like i'm being harsh because we're the garden guys like my garden is not that great one of the things that i've always done is is i grow tomatoes in pots I have big pots from trees that I've planted that that's where my tomatoes go. And it's never seemed to be a problem. But this year I put three or four new pots up against a fence and it gets blazing sun and they're black. And I've never had an issue with black pots before until 
I think it's this year. Mm-hmm. And I did that same thing that Tom just mentioned as I went out and took the soil temperature. Um, man, it was hot. Yeah. <laughs> and that tomato does not like, you know, I think at that point it was like 115 degrees mm-hmm. right next to that, you know, the edge of the pot. Yeah. And those roots are going to go out there and they're going to say, nope, I yep. don't want that. Yep. I'm going to stay closer to the middle. And then I just stress that plant out. And I can see the stress in that plant yeah. or in those plants uh, pretty significant. So how do I fix that? One quick and easy way is go to a coffee shop and get burlap bags that they throw out uh, with oh, there a you stack go. in the back. Cut it down the center, wrap that black pot in burlap. That'll cut that pot from uh, adhering to the heat that's coming down all day. And, and that'll insulate that pot a little bit and diffuse the sunlight so that it won't uh-huh. add to the problem. That's the first thing I'd do. I was on one of these really kitschy garden stores, and they have pot umbrellas. So don't do the pot umbrella. Uh, you get. I'm always... Uh, <laughs> Hesitant to purchase more stuff. You, know, yeah. you can usually find used materials to create an elegant solution uh, that's not too trashy looking. Those yeah. burlap ones, they look like it was purposely wrapped in some burlap. It's, it looks kind of cool. And I thought about painting it just using like a latex paint, painting it white. Oh, you got to buy it. Yeah. I got so much. Yeah, like how many paint I have in my Do basement. You have a lot of paint, yeah. <laughs> I don't throw paint away. I just hold on to it. Uh, I okay. it just to, but I like the black in the spring. So maybe I paint half of it white, half of it, and then, oh, you know, and then just turn it. And just yeah. turn the pot. Whoa. See? Or you could just pull the burlap off in the spring <laughs> when you want to gain heat. <laughs> so another uh, quick story on the pill bugs, uh, roly polies. Hate them. Using diatomaceous earth is actually a pretty effective way to get rid of roly polies. And what that is, is a very small crystalline silica is basically what it's it like is. It's like ground up diatoms, right? Yeah, like yeah. ancient. And it's really super sharp. And yeah. so it cuts the bottom soft part of the bodies. Uh, doesn't do well for hard shelled uh, insects, but for the roly polies, when they're crawling on the soil, they pick up all this silica and it cuts into their soft tissue and it'll lead to their demise in just a couple of days. So, yeah, so it desiccates them. It, it desiccates, they dry out. Yeah. And this is like, and you can feel bad for the roly polies. Well, I get the, it. They're overpopulated. Like yeah. the way to find out if you've got a problem is obviously you walk out and there's a bunch of dead plants tipped over. And that's yeah. the first kill. walk out at night. Yeah. And come out at night. And that's when they feed. They're nocturnal. And you get a flashlight and shine it on the affected plant bed that you saw some damage and see how many you've got. And I had thousands. I mean, it's just overpopulation of these things. Normally, they're kind of interspersed in the ecosystem. They're macro composters. They uh, process heavy metals. They do good things for the soil. Hate them. Yeah. Well, I know you hate them, but they're okay if they're just on the sidelines. But when they get overpopulated, they will completely render that bed unplantable because they'll just wipe out anything in it. And they just, people don't realize they can really devastate certain plants. They even cut into sunflowers when they're young and they just rim it at soil level and the plant tips over. They would always go out for my cucumbers. Cucumbers as well. Yeah, they took half my cucumbers. They took 20 cucumber yeah. plants out of one row. So you put diatomaceous earth, you just put gloves on because it's sharp. You sprinkle it. It's a white powder. You can get it at most of the garden shops and they will climb over it. It'll cut them up. And then a couple days later, the population will drop quite a bit. And what I did is after that process took place, um, if it rains, you have to repeat it because it doesn't work when it's wet. Doesn't rain here. Doesn't rain here apparently. So that's no problem. And then once their population has dropped, you can replant. And so I replanted the beans, the both uh, beds. So it's 200 square feet of beans. And the heat was just right. They germinated in like three or four days, just popped up. It was crazy fast. And 
now those beans are coming up. They're in that vulnerable stage where they got a soft stem. And I'm right. going out daily to see how much damage. And it's like one of every five plants has a tiny little bite mark. And so I can tell that there's they're going to have a much higher success yeah. rate. So and once that plant gets to like a two-leaf stage, second-leaf stage, they're not going to be as palatable for yeah, the insects. They get more woody. Yeah, so it's a good thing to like, if you can just get them over that hump. Yeah. And I would say, you know, diatomaceous earth works well when it doesn't rain and when you use drip irrigation. Yeah. That's the other thing. So like I have like micro sprinklers in some beds. Oh, it won't work there. It, yeah. And it just it globs up and yeah. it loses that cutting capacity. Right, right. So what you could do is, especially if you're between crops and something failed because of these bugs, you it, leave it unirrigated, yeah, let it exactly. dry out for a day, and then put the diatomaceous earth, wait two days, and then replant. Yeah. And then yeah. if you need to turn your sprinklers on, you're good to and go. And it's a pretty fast. I mean, again, that's my number one insect issue over yeah. the years. And I, I sometimes feel like it's actually a good thing that I have all these roly poys because I feel like that's a good sign of a healthy uh, soil. It means you've got a lot of compost and wood. In your, yeah, so I'm giving them plenty of food. <laughs> that's not my food. But when they start messing with my food. Exactly. You know, What's then the we have a talk. Yeah. yeah, we have a talk, and it's and very short. Are you, my talk also yeah. ends with diatomaceous earth. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for letting me vent on that because it's my biggest failure. So my year. insect of the year so far has been um, has been thrips. Thrips. Yes. And as a as a side note, a singular thrips is not a thrip. It's thrips. Thrips. You know, yeah. it's like deer. Singular and plural. Right. This plural is Bob. Is He's a deer. thrips. Yeah. Yes. It sounds strange, but it's, right. he's not a thrip. Thrips. He's a yeah. thrips. Um, yeah, and I've <laughs> I've had him forever, I guess, uh-huh. on my Virginia creeper and this big vine on my uh, chimney. And it, they seem to like just kind of keep in relatively low numbers. And then this year with the heat, I think they probably had a good influx of, you know, population with the temperature. And then all of a sudden, boom, I got them. And they've kind of moved in from my uh, Virginia creeper over into my peppers and tomatoes. And they're a piercing sucking insect. Yep. So they move. They're a good vector for disease, for viruses. And they're super tiny. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I've actually used a magnifying glass to see them, to identify them. I had them years ago on some greens out in one bed. And I just was amazed at how small they are. You yeah. can't see them unless you get really close to the leaf, and it's like, wow, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. I had someone bring some into my office yesterday, and they thought it was uh, powdery mildew. Right. And That's so how small they are. I yeah. turned the leaf over, and I, this is always a good reminder. If you come to the extension office, please, if we, I'm happy to help you identify anything, but just bag it. Oh, so it doesn't spread? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, like, turn the leaf it's over, and all, all of over a sudden, desk. I've got, like, 20 thrips that come up, and I'm sure... As I went home at the end of the day, I you brought got, a couple yeah, inside and right. whatever it is. And You're the vector. I, I am. <laughs> I'm the vector. That's a good name for my that, next movie. That's a good the dog's vector. name. Ooh. Vector. Come here. Vector. <laughs> uh, other things you might see right now are the wilt reflex in squash plants with the big leaves, which don't worry about. Um, the way to check that and make sure you're watering enough is it'll have a midday wilt reflex. It'll kind of shrink and just droop but if you go back in the morning and look at those same plants they should have had the, f- the full capillary refill and strengthen their leaves again ready for the day each morning if they're still wilted in the morning then you're not watering enough we talk about how amazing plants are and all the plants and squash um, are a great example because they have these big leaves on the underside of the leaves they have openings called stomates stomates um, and those stomates allow this process of you know passing oxygen and water a you know transpiration all that stuff 
And when it gets hot, they have these guard cells and the guard cells close. So it shuts down. So the plant really stops transpiring. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great thing for happening to plants. But what we typically will see is just what Tom mentioned. You come out, oh my gosh, my plant's wilted. What do I do? You add water, which is the last thing you need to do is probably add water because then you're filling up all the pore spaces down on that soil with water and removing oxygen. So again, watch them in the morning. Yeah. That morning is the best time to be in the garden. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best time to harvest because they're all full of water. Um, but it's also the best time to walk the garden and see what's happening. The tomatoes are throwing out some mixed signals right now as well. Um, Sounds like you're dating a tomato. This tomato's giving me mixed signals. Yeah, uh, this, One day she likes me, yeah. and the next day she just shuts up. I'm getting a conflicted <laughs> vibe off these tomatoes. Yeah. And the what's happening is they have a, a cupping of the leaves, uh, not in the sense of like a, an herbicide carryover cupper yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. but they just kind of slightly close, tacoing, yeah. Um, like they're saying something and you're trying to figure out what it looks like because it's in the 90s, that would be a drought stress response where they're just not getting enough water. Well, my tomatoes are all mulched, so it looks like they're dry, but you move the mulch away and lo and behold, they've been getting the drip system water every day consistently and it's actually too wet. And tomatoes don't like wet feet. So what's happening is they're responding to too much moisture and so we keep thinking, oh, uh, the leaves are curling. I got to water it. And you add more water, which isn't going to help. Yeah, you just feel the soil. Put your hands in that root environment to experience what the plant's going through. And obviously, if it's really wet and saturated, you don't need to add more water. So the tomatoes are saying, let me dry out for a little bit, even though it's hot. And you can stop the watering for a few days. Let Be careful with that. You don't want to forget. Because <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. then they will cup the other way and just die. die. So. Um, but I'm going to give them a break for three or four days and see if those uh, leaves open up and get regular photosynthesis, which leads us with your talk of stomates and whatnot to our double Double. words of the week. Oh, and the first one is... Because we felt bad because we missed three weeks. We're making up. We're sorry. Yeah, we've got a word of the week. The first one is... Evapotranspiration. Ooh, is basically what you were talking about, stomates uh, releasing oxygen from the plant, which it it produces, and it's part of the magic of plants and why we love them. And at the same time, it releases moisture. And evapotranspiration is something that, say, people that run golf courses, people that are farmers are very concerned about because the rate of evapotranspiration dictates how much irrigation they need. And what that means is the evaporation from the landscape, which is just water moving up into the air column. And then transpiration is how plants, specifically at night, uh, will open their stomates and release more moisture. So if that that cumulative uh, release of water together from plants and the landscape itself is called evapotranspiration. And it's the movement of water through the the ground cycle, the plant cycle. Yeah. And it's cool to see, like, you know, science has shown, and they've, and I wish they would do more with vegetables in our area, which would be a great thing for, well, for extension to do. So I just gave myself a job, but it's to measure like ET, we call it ET. So the ET rates of different vegetables. Mm-hmm. So corn has a certain ET rate. Wheat has a certain ET rate. So a lot of our grain crops, we have these rates out there and kind of like, on average, if your temperature is this and your plants at this stage, this is the loss of water from the landscape, um, which can, you know, Tom mentioned mulch. A great way to reduce evaporation mm-hmm. um, is to mulch, a light, you know, thin layer of mulch. Great. 
So to reduce that evapotranspiration rate so you can reduce the amount that you irrigate. But they have this ability to say, boom, ET rates at this number, I'm irrigating for this long. Right. We don't quite have that that I've seen for vegetables at a garden stage or at a garden level, which would be really cool to see. Use your garden as a big experiment sometimes. Yeah. It's okay to put your hand in the soil right. and say, oh, I'm going to put my hand in the soil. It's wet. Let me dry it down. If I dry it down for two days, what's the response of that plant? As opposed to just like throwing our hands up in the air and saying, I give up. Gardening's too hard. Yep. You know, use these kind of environmental and our climactic challenges. It's okay to fail. It is. It sh- you show off your scars, kind of like battle wounds. Oh, yeah. yeah. That happened with your pill bugs. Oh, dude. You should have seen. I got this sliver yeah, under I got my these, fingernail. I got this moth. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I do have moss. I got it's, cabbage loopers all over my garden. Oh These my little goodness. white moss. See, see how that is? Oh. We all want to have, share that lament. And I think that leads us to the second word of the week. Is there another is, drum roll? Do we have to just... No, this one's just going to launch silently. Okay. It's a little bit more of a sacred term. It's the GF pivot. And that's the garden failure pivot. Pivot on your failures and uh, rectify the situation. Chuckle a little bit. Put the headphones on. Have a good time doing it and fix your garden. Because you won't, by August, have much time to fix it. But right now, you still can. And record it. Yeah. Record it so you know what happened, how you fixed it, what date you did it. Did it germinate well? Did it do this or that? Um, So that you can repeat those successes in following years and avoid that mistake. Because there's plenty of other ones you can make for the first time. Yeah. And you're going to have a new mistake next year. Or 10. Uh, Fruit trees. Let's jump to those. Fruit trees are requiring, as you'll see, a certain amount of water right now because they're putting on fruit or they're developing fruit at some capacity. And right then they need a really good supply of water. And if that's interrupted, when you're walking to the garage one morning, you see, hey, wow, the fruit tree just dropped a ton of fruit. Well, it's telling you, okay, I'm going to just release all this fruit that I know I can't support because I don't have X amount of water. So if you want to save that tree's full capacity of fruit bearing, make sure it's got plenty of water. You don't want to overwater it, but check it out. It's have hard to like, it yeah. In the past month, yeah. It, you know. If you have a fruit tree that has a ton of fruit, it's going to be hard to overwater it. Yeah. A younger tree for sure. Yeah, it's, again, we go, the wonders of plant world. They, they have this ability of a defense mechanism, like a tomato. Oh, it's 95 degrees. My flowers are done. I'm aborting those flowers. Right. Same thing with a, an apple tree. Well, we didn't have any spring frost to kind of thin my sinks. We call them a sink. So all those carbohydrates, all that water goes to a sink, which is a fruit. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't thin those out. Well, now come June, come July, I'm going to start thinning those out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if it's a response to really high temperatures and low moisture, you know that's probably a response of that plant to say, like, I'm thinning stuff out because I can't produce enough to satisfy all of these sinks right. or all these fruits. So it's it's self-thinning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fine. Like give that plant water and then you can go out and sometimes thin some of the fruit, the ones that you can reach. Yeah. And if you have an apple tree with an uh, arched branch that's drooping to the ground, it looks like it's going to get too much and it's already drooping. Once those apples get super big, yeah. that could Crack. create some cracked limbs and you want to avoid that. So thin it yourself, shake some of those trees. The weak ones will come off yeah. the branches that are heavy and that actually helps the tree in the long run. I know people hate to thin fruit because they're just, fruit can be such a rarity around here. Sure. But I always go back to like, if I have an apple tree and I can, at peak number of fruit could be a thousand fruit but they're all the size of a golf ball. Do yeah. I want a thousand fruit that are size of the golf ball or do I want 150 or 200 fruit 
They're the size of what I would consider an apple. Yeah. I'll take the apple size. I don't want the golf ball size. Yeah. Don't be afraid to thin. It's okay. The plant will appreciate it. What else you got, Darren? <laughs> so your pill bugs, they get... This has been my strawberry Wait, year. you're going to go back into the wound? Yes. I'm... <laughs> okay. I thought we were done with that. No. My fruit. Like, we were in fruit. So this is how, okay. I, that's just how I sometimes you're say jumping back you to pill bugs. You mentioned fruit. I saw strawberries. The fruit hang right on the ground, right? And it's the perfect opportunities for pill bugs mm-hmm. to come in and say, I don't even have to leave this yeah. mulchy area. I can just nibble on something super high sugar content. I'm under the safety of my mulch. Yeah. That's the one that I struggle with with strawberries are those that touch the ground. That's why a lot of folks will grow with a, under plastic with strawberries. I don't have plastic in my garden. So I'm all of the opinion of I give that one strawberry to pill bugs. And I take the other four. I let them have that one. That's how kind I am. Are I you, let them have the are one. Are you some sort of Buddhist mentor? Yes. This is, again, I, my life has changed, Tom. <laughs> like, I am. He's the bug whisperer. I'm like half full constantly. <laughs> Not every insect is bad. And while I would say that I can lament on pill bugs and make jokes about how much I hate them. Um, again, I also see the benefit of them in my garden. So I'm going to reward them with the occasional strawberry. Do you award flea beetles the same No, I hate benefit? flea beetles too. But I don't ever usually get flea beetles. But again, I go back to my inner give, zen. Like, give them a strawberry. Yeah, like I, if, if flea beetles are the biggest <laughs> issues, I, we don't have Japanese beetle in all, all of our stuff. We don't mm-hmm. have emerald ash borer in our trees down here. Grasshoppers are a rarity for me. Yeah. Um, so if I get the occasional thrip, the occasional pill bug, I can I can lament and hate them and, and curse them. Uh-huh. Um, but... Again, I there's bigger issues. So can I bring a bucket of pill? No, you don't. I don't want you anywhere near my house. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week. But we do appreciate you guys listening out there. Yeah, Uh, and when we promise not to take another break for at least two more weeks, just to support. We'll be back. We're going to do some site visits. We're going to visit a school garden, hopefully, maybe another farm, maybe some more gardens. Look forward to an episode upcoming. Yeah, this is the upcoming one. Feel free to send us emails, gardenguys at ksut.org. And if it doesn't work, you get what you get. Yeah, you don't throw a fit. We'll see you next week. Take care.